Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. For a sermon guide, one of the two. Um, And we're going to go through a a message this morning, and I'm trusting that the Lord is going to speak to us and encourage us. Uh, I want to start our message a little bit differently today. Instead of doing the Bible declaration, I'm going to just pray, and I'm going to ask that you would just agree with me in your heart and just receive this prayer as an encouragement to open up our hearts and our spirits and our minds to what God is going to share with us today through the Word, okay? Just agree with me in your heart. Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for the Word. We make a decision this morning to be good ground, to be, to be people whose hearts are open and soft and pliable, uh, readily receiving your Word, readily receiving your truth, readily receiving your loving correction if need be. We lean in and we make a decision to allow God's Word to transform the way we think, to transform the way we feel, and to transform the way we live so that we can become imitators of Jesus Christ in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen Amen and Amen. Well, we've been on a series that we're simply calling Let's Talk About Wellness. And I gave it a subtitle here at our Uh, Gastonia campus, and it's simply this, God wants you well. All throughout the scriptures, there's plenty of evidence that indicates that as a loving heavenly father, God wants us to experience wellness. And our theme scripture, I'm hoping one or two of you might know it by heart because it just is such a powerful portion of scripture. 3 John chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 1 verse 2, 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Do you all remember that verse? 3 John 2. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, my recommendation is get over there. 3 John 2. It's a letter towards the end of the Bible. Highlight it, underline it, circle it, commit it to memory. Because it's not just being committed to your mind. It's being committed to your heart, to your spirit, to who you are on the inside. And this is a powerful text. It's a greeting. But in this greeting, there's a promise. He's saying, I'm praying that you would prosper. Prosper, remember, it means to do well in your journey in life. And he doesn't limit it to just church stuff. He says, I want you to prosper in all things. And then he says, I want you to be in health. By the way, he's not just praying for physical health. He wants you to be sound. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be healthy in your life. God cares about every area of your life. Spiritually, emotionally, relationally, mentally, financially, Physically, he cares about every area of your life. He cares about your career. He cares about your calling in life and what you're ultimately meant to do. There isn't an area in your life where God doesn't care about your life. 
And he wants you to experience wellness in every area of your life. If you'll recall, uh, I mentioned from the very beginning of the series that wellness starts with God. It really flows for the Christian from God's word and God's Holy Spirit. So we need to be people that are learning to draw on the word, the truth of the scriptures, and the spirit of God helping us to live the truth out. So we've got this well of salvation. And the better we become at drawing on the well of the word of God and the spirit of God, the more we're going to begin to experience, keyword, wellness. We also mentioned that wellness has a purpose. It's not just so that I could have a nice house and just so that I could drive a nice car and just so I can have good clothes and experience a great bank account. God doesn't care about all of that stuff. He's totally fine. He wants you to experience good things. But for the Christian, wellness has a purpose. And ultimately, that purpose is to advance God's kingdom on the earth. Amen. So if you didn't catch that teaching, you can go back and listen to it. And we mentioned also as we're increasing in wellness, and there will be an increase in wellness when you're walking with the Lord. Many of us, many of God's people have experienced an increase in wellness in numerous areas across the life. And what, what's important is that we realize that God wants us to protect wellness. And the enemy's after it. He wants to do whatever he can to get us off track. So we stop living for the purpose of wellness and it just becomes all about me. And then deception gets in there and then one thing leads to another and we get off track. And now we're not really living for the purpose of wellness anymore. And when that happens, the Bible says we expose ourselves to the enemy and he only comes, only comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. So if you missed any of those messages, you can go to our website lakeshorecf.com. You can watch Pastor Gil or Brandon. Uh, Our podcasts are on there. If you go to my Facebook page, we're doing a pretty good job at posting our uh, services. So whatever, whatever will help you to grow in that, you're welcome to do that. Today, I want to start our final message in this series with a statement. And here's a statement. God doesn't promise a life without suffering, but he does promise to be with us through suffering. Say it with me. God doesn't promise a life without suffering, but he does promise to be with us through suffering. The title of this message is Wellness Through Suffering. I hate that word. Y'all, y'all feel that when you say that word suffering, it almost just puts a scrawl on your face, doesn't it? It's like suffering. Who wants to experience suffering, right? I think the reality is that for most Christians, if not every Christian, it's very difficult to understand with our mind that although God wants us to experience wellness, he allows suffering. If you're human, which all of you are, I would venture to say every single one of us has experienced some suffering at one level in life or another. And I think it's important that we take some time to talk about this. How do we live well as a Christian and go through suffering at the same time? Because the Bible speaks about that. Also, does suffering for the Christian serve any purpose? 
That's an important question. And we're going to look at that. And then ultimately, are there different types of suffering that we can identify in the Bible? I don't know everything about suffering. I'm sure you know that. And um, we don't have time to go through in depth. We could do a series on suffering. But I think that today I'm going to hit some high spots, kind of give us a broad overview of some things for us to consider if we haven't considered them before from a biblical perspective. So first and fundamentally for the Christian, it's important for us to understand where does suffering stem from or come from? And so I just want to read Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, first book of the Bible. And those of you who are familiar with the story in Genesis, I want you to realize that this is picking up after Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sinned and crossed God's authority and what he told them not to do. And that's where we're picking up. Then God said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. Pay attention to this next verse. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. He's talking about the ground. I think symbolically, life is full of thorns and thistles also. Verse 19. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So broadly speaking, a big truth, if you're wanting to fill in a blank, here it is. All suffering is a result of the entry of sin. All suffering is the result of the entry of sin. We know the story. Sin came in. Death came in. A life as Adam and Eve knew it was interrupted. They were put outside of the garden, and their relationship with God was cut off. So all suffering stems from the fall of mankind. Everything's been impacted. The whole universe and every person that has ever lived and will ever live is now subject to suffering as a result of the fall of mankind. Everyone, because of the fall, experiences suffering in one way or another. Sickness. COVID-19. Premature death. Birth defects, handicaps, tragedy, unmet expectations, death unexpected and expected, etc., etc., etc. The list goes on and on and on. It's important for us to know that people don't suffer just because of no reason. Suffering is in the world because man stepped across God's rule and God's loving, authoritative reign and relationship. And as a result of that, we now have suffering. But it's also important to know that for the Christian, suffering is both purposeful and limited in its duration. Can somebody say amen? Because for the Christian, one day all suffering will cease. For the Christian, I want us to look at 1 Peter 
chapter 5, verse 10. First Peter is written by the Apostle Peter, and he's, writ- he's writing a letter to a group of non-Jewish Christians who were suffering in the world for their relationship with Jesus. And they were suffering in the world because they chose to live for Jesus. And 1 Peter 5.10, the writer says this, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while... Now, I want you to pay close attention to these next words. They're very intentional words. Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So if you have a highlighter or a pen, highlight those words. Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I want to give you a a definition of the word suffered or suffering. And find it here. It's the Greek word pasco. P-A-S-C-H-O. Pasco. Have you ever seen or heard of the movie The Passion of the Christ? The word passion is where we get this word from. Suffering. Pasco. Let me give you the definition. So suffer or suffering or suffered, being acted upon in a certain way to experience ill treatment, roughness, violence, or outrage, to endure suffering and to undergo evils from without, from the outside. Pasco asks the painful question, what is happening to me? Of the 42 times it appears, It is mostly used of Christ's suffering for us. So this word, if I were to give it a Bible definition that was easy, it would be like this. Enduring any pain, persecution, or demanding process to attain or achieve a greater godly purpose. It's for the Christian. To attain a greater godly purpose purpose. I want you to think about this. A father that truly loves his child wants his child to become all that he intended him to be. And God, as our heavenly father, is no different. In the midst of suffering or trial, we're encouraged to see God's gracious hand at work refining and preparing us to be used for him. Now, I want us to look at those words again because this text in 1 Peter 5.10 tells us that suffering is meant to perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle us. Now, I want to identify these words in the Greek because the Greek used here offers insight on what God wants to accomplish through the process of suffering, okay? The word perfect is this Greek word katarizo. Listen to the definition. It means to complete what is lacking, so when it says, I want you to be perfected, it doesn't mean you're, you're going to be perfect as a person who never misses it, like Jesus. What he's talking about is God wanting to complete something in you and in me that's lacking. And so if we learn to look to God through our suffering, this is something he wants to do. He wants to perfect us. Next, the word establish, sterizo. Listen to the definition. It points us toward turning resolutely in a certain direction. 
He says, I want to establish you. Sometimes there's a directional change that God's trying to bring to our life. And if we look to him, he'll use suffering to bring that directional change. I can tell you, it works. Uh, Another word here I want us to notice is strengthen. Strengthen. It means to confirm in spiritual knowledge or power. It's not talking about just strengthening you physically. It's talking about strengthening you in your spiritual knowledge and your spiritual power that God gives you as a child of God. He wants to strengthen you in your suffering. And then finally, settle. Settle. And it refers to the laying of a foundation. He wants to settle you in your relationship with God. He wants to solidify and settle the foundation from what you're living in and on. Does that make sense? So it's very important that we understand that there is purpose for the Christian when we go through suffering. Big thought would be this. Suffering can further God's purpose in me. Come on, say that with me. Suffering can further God's purpose in me. Suffering and trial or whatever area of life you might be experiencing suffering will be used to further God's purpose in you. Think about it. He's wanting to make you complete. He wants to set you on his path. He wants to fill you with spiritual knowledge and strength. And he wants to lay the foundation of your future. And if we can learn to look to God through our suffering, the Holy Spirit will lead this in this direction that God has for us. So broadly speaking, it's important that we know that suffering is the result of a sinful falling world, number one. And number two, suffering can further God's purpose in our lives. And I say can because it's not automatic. If we jump out, then it can't. But if we trust him and we stay with him, then it can. Does that make sense? So for the rest of our time, I just want to touch four different types of suffering. And um, if we have time, I'm just going to mention one more that I didn't put down that I think I I would be doing a disservice to us if I didn't mention it. Okay? So here's the first one. Four different types of suffering that we could see in the Bible. Here's the first one. Sanctifying suffering. That's a big word. Let's see if you can spell it. Do we have it up there? Sanctifying suffering. I apologize. I switched those around. I think you can find it somewhere. Sanctifying. S-A-N-C-T. There it is. I-F-Y-I-N-G. Somebody say, count it all joy. Right? Look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5 out of the New Living Translation. He says this. Dear brothers and sisters... When troubles, that's a word for trial or approving or attesting. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect. Again, that's a word for mature, lacking nothing. Not perfect, you'll never miss it, but mature. And complete, needing nothing. Look at verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you 
for asking. Now, when it says that we're supposed to consider our suffering an opportunity for joy, God isn't trying to tell you to be joyful with the suffering you're going through, like you're enjoying the suffering. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, don't focus on the suffering. Focus on me and the joy that you can have while you're going through the suffering because you're focused on me. So if you focus on the suffering, very hard to be joyful. But if we focus on God through the suffering, realizing that there's, there's this purpose, it's the sanctifying purpose. Now, sanctifying or sanctification or sanctify, it's a big Bible word, but I think some of you may have heard it if you've grown up in church. So let me just try to simplify it. Sanctifying suffering means that through the suffering, I'm learning to set my life apart to and for God ongoingly, increasingly, and more intentionally. That's what it means to sanctify yourself, to set yourself apart to God and for God. In the Old Testament, they sanctified the utensils that they would use in the house of God for worship. Sanctify meaning they're set apart for special use for God. So sanctifying through suffering is something that I'm going to do through this suffering. I'm going to focus on God. My joy is going to come from my relationship with God, and I'm going to trust God to Teach me how to set myself apart more and more for him and more and more to him. And then it says this, listen, you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When does endurance grow? When life is easy? A bowl of cherries? Everything's peachy? No. Endurance grows when your faith, when my faith it's tested. Now, I want us to look at this word endurance. It's such a powerful word. Um, I, 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 I can't resist sharing this word with you. So, so powerful. Um, endurance. Hebrews. You don't have to turn there. Let me just get to my place so I can read this to you. Endurance. It's this really strange Greek word, hupomeno, hupomeno, or hupomone. It's, it's an interesting word. Listen, it comes from two words. Um, the first part is hupo, which means under, under. And the second part, mone, means to remain. So when you put the word together, hupomone, or endurance, it means to remain under. And more specifically, it speaks of a constancy, a perseverance, a continuance, a bearing up, a steadfastness, holding out. It describes the capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances, not with a passive complacency, but with a hopeful fortitude that actively resists weariness and defeat. So this is an endurance that comes by keeping our focus on God while we're going through a suffering. And it gives us the ability to strengthen our endurance and grow in our endurance in our bearing up and holding out and remaining constant and persevering even though we're going through something difficult. 
That's what this is referring to. So there's this sanctifying suffering. Has anybody ever gone through a little bit of that before? You just got to keep your eyes on Jesus and God is doing something in you while you're going through it. Here's the second type of suffering I want to mention. I want to call it sacred, sacred suffering Uh, or persecution and the privilege that we have to be persecuted. I think that for the most part, we understand that Western Christianity over here where we live, we're far removed from a lot of persecution that other Christians in other parts of the world experience, even death, right? We're far removed from most of that. But nevertheless, there will be times when we suffer persecution for our relationship with Christ, maybe to not that degree, um, but who knows, we, we might get there. Listen to this, 2 Timothy 3, 11 and 12. He says, this is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, you know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lustra. Listen to this. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Persecution is defined as acts of harassing someone, oppressing someone, or even killing someone because of their belief. In this case, because of our belief in Christ Jesus. So Christians will go through a sacred suffering where they're suffering for their allegiance to Christ, for their allegiance to God. Do you believe that? By the way, I just believe it's, it's, it's more and more important for us to make sure where our allegiance lies because the days ahead of us don't seem like they're going to get brighter and brighter in the world per se. They're going to get darker and darker. And we need to make sure we know where we stand. And we need to make sure for whom we stand. Amen? It's important. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He's going to give us a list of some of the suffering and persecution he went through. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 28. He says, are they servants of Christ? Some were questioning his authority. I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number. In other words, they just lost track of how many times they were whipping them. Faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. 40 was death. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I was spent a whole night and a day adrift in the sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. Did you know that there are some people today who claim to be believers in Christ but are not? Everybody who says they're a Christian doesn't necessarily mean they're saved and they're Christians. 
It's in the Bible. So we just need to know that. I'm just saying that in a loving way, in a gracious way. Verse 27, he says, I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. He was an apostle and he planted churches and he was concerned for their well-being and their relationship with the Lord. So Paul is showing us that there's this type of sacred suffering that he went through for his relationship to Christ. Am I willing to suffer for my relationship with Christ? Am I willing to be ridiculed? Am I willing to step away from something? Am I willing to step away from someone? Am I willing to take harassment and punishment and ill speaking because of my relationship with Christ? It's not the most pleasant thing to want to go through, that's for sure. But there is this type of sacred suffering that God's people can sometimes suffer because of their allegiance to Jesus Christ. It's biblical, and I think we need to understand that's a type of suffering. Here's the third one I want to share with you. Satanic suffering. Satanic suffering. This one we're not supposed to just take sitting down. This is this, this ability to learn how to overcome spiritual attacks in our lives. Because there is a real devil. It's all over the Bible. And he wants to do what he can to get us outside of the family. He wants us to experience pain and suffering at his hand. Notice 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11. It's not a new scripture for us. But he's writing to the church and he says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking or looking for someone to devour. It's like he's very intentional. He's looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. So it's not unfamiliar for Christians to be attacked by Satan. And he's real. I mean, uh, I've seen stuff. Uh, some of you might have. Some of you may have experienced dark experience in your life or you know someone who has. Maybe, maybe you or somebody you know has seen like these dark spirits, these dark objects in and around your home or your car or whatever. And I'm not trying to be weird. I'm just being biblical. The Bible says that there's a real devil. Uh, he's very organized. In Ephesians, it talks about that we're supposed to put on our whole armor of God because the enemy has this, this demonic strike force. And they're in rank and file. They know how to come under the authority of Satan. And they do what he tells them to do. And one of the things that they're assigned to do is to wreak havoc in Christians' lives. So we need to learn how to resist the devil. We need to learn how to stand firm in our faith. And we need to learn how to stand against spiritual attacks. So let me just encourage us. One of the ways that we learn to do that better and better and better is by becoming more and more familiar with the word of God. What are you saying, Pastor Robert? I'm saying you'll be more enabled to overcome spiritual attacks the more familiar you are with the word of God. Pastor Robert, you're a pastor, of course. I wasn't born a pastor. I don't know a lot of stuff. But I know one thing. 
I want to read my Bible. I'm going to find out what God says about that sucker and how to stand against him. Know your enemy. And if you don't know, when he comes knocking, you'll answer instead of letting Jesus answer. Let Jesus answer. How did Jesus answer? The word. He was in a battle against the devil. Remember? Devil comes to him and he tempts him and tempts him and tempts him. What did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was talking about this word, this promise that God will give you in the middle of a spiritual attack. So the more familiar you are with this word, the more the Holy Spirit has to bring to your mind in the moment when you're being attacked. But if you're not familiar with this word, I'm not thinking about anybody specific. I'm just telling you, I see a lot of stuff on Facebook, a lot of Christians posting stuff that's not scriptural. All these little sayings and philosophical quotes and poems from this person and that person, some of them not even Christians. It's not the word. We don't have any promise from God to stand on that stuff. We have promises from God to stand on this stuff. Amen? So don't, don't feel condemnation. Just know that as a pastor, my heart is to not be the only one feeding you. I want you to get hungry so you can feed yourself. And uh, there are a lot of churches that probably won't care about that. But this one does. So if you don't know how to read your Bible, let me know. Let's get a coffee. I'll show you how to do it. I know how to do it. I've been reading my Bible for 29 years. I still don't know a lot. But I know some things. And if you don't know how, let me teach you. Let us teach you how to read your Bible. Because there's a real devil and he brings attacks. Now, remember I said there's probably one more type of suffering that I want to mention that I'm not going to mention as the last one. But I need to mention this. It's so important. There is a kind of suffering that I'll call self-induced suffering. Self-induced suffering. It's not on the notes. But it's so important that we understand this. As Christians, there's something called Sowing and reaping. And there's a good part of that. And we're going to look at it right now. And that's in Galatians. Think chapter 6, verse 7, something like that. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Right? So I just want for us to be aware that there's a self-induced suffering that we might not have to go through if we learn how to become better sowers. Right? There are some things that I could do that could get me in trouble. That could put me in a place where I suffer. It's not necessarily God's will. It was God's will for me to avoid that decision so I would avoid that self-induced suffering. But because I wouldn't listen to his word, or I wouldn't listen to his counsel, or I wouldn't listen to people who are walking in things a little more mature, a little more further along, and I choose to do my own thing and live this certain way or do that certain thing, now all of a sudden I'm exposed 
to harvesting weeds and junk and yuck. But I planted the seeds. Even when God said, don't plant those seeds. That's a self-induced type of suffering. Let me just give you a very practical example, okay? Very practical. <clears throat> as a Christian, as Christians, we're learning still how to manage our finances from a biblical Christian worldview. So important. A big area where Christians suffer is in the area of finances. Non-Christians too. But that's because we've made a decision to function in finance outside of God's ways. And when we do that, like when we were younger, I owed the IRS all kinds of money. I owed the creditor all kinds of money. I owed the mortgager all kinds of money. I owed people all kinds of money. That wasn't God's fault. That was my fault. I didn't know any better. And so we're learning, right? Doesn't mean we don't have opportunity to step out and do things that are unwise concerning finances. This is just a practical example. And, and we know if we do step out, well, that could come back and clobber us later. Right? So we don't want to do that. I don't want to have to go through bankruptcy. I don't want to have to get a repossession. I don't want to have to lose my house. I don't want to have to go without savings. I don't want to put myself in a bad spot financially. Okay? That's just one area. There are a whole bunch of other areas that we could mention that we don't have time to mention. But all I'm saying is make a decision to avoid self-induced suffering. Because not everything that happens in my life was necessarily God's will. It was his will for me to avoid that. Amen. Right? It irks me when people are suffering and there's a high probability it was self-induced and then they blame it on God. Oh, it must have been God's will. God, God must have needed another angel in heaven. Those are just, you know, these worldly sayings that people put on like stuff that happens and they just attribute it to God. When all, of a, all, all along God was saying, no, I don't, I don't want you to go that way. I don't want you to do that because it's going to get you in trouble. Does that make sense, church? So just be aware of that, okay? Here's the fourth legitimate one that I put on paper, okay? Seasonal suffering. And this is, this is hopeful. This is a good one. Look at, uh, we'll call this sowing and reaping good stuff, okay? Uh, look at uh, Psalm 126, 5 and 6. Seasonal suffering. Seasonal suffering is like, it, it, it's an intentional investment that a person makes, an intentional investment that a person makes with faith and hope that he's going to get a good return, right? There's just these seasons in life, and you just know that if you stick to it and you're faithful and you keep planting and you keep sowing good seed and you keep going after it, there's going to be a reward. For example, you study hard and you do your homework and you go to night school. You're trying to further your career. Even though it's hard, you're sowing and you're sowing and you're sowing. You're planning and you're planning. You know you're going to get the diploma, right? But if you don't, you know you won't. And you're pushing through it. It's a little bit of suffering. Yes, anybody who works a full-time job and then they're going to school at night trying to make it happen. Isn't that true? There's a, there's a bit of suffering, but you're doing it because you know there's going to be a reward. Or in studying. 
studying the scriptures. You're, 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 you're putting in the time and you're spending, you're investing time with God, knowing you're going to grow in spiritual knowledge, spiritual understanding, and you know there's going to be a reward. Or you're working diligently on the job. You're the first one to show up. You're the last one to go home. You're not a complainer. You're laying it down. You're working. You're faithful. You're a hard worker. You have a good attitude. Even though sometimes you want to let the boss have it, you suffer and you keep your mouth shut and you do it. But then you get a promotion when nobody else got one. There's this seasonal suffering that we go through. I think Psalm 126, 5 and 6 is a great snapshot. This is a snapshot. It's a short psalm. The people of, of God are, are released from Babylonian captivity after like 70 years. And they come back to their homeland. And they're remembering everything that they went through. And in verses 5 and 6 in Psalm 125, it's 126, it says this. Those who sow in tears. Do you remember sowing means to scatter or to plant? Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. That's the fun part. That's the harvesting. That's the increase. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves or his harvest with him. So he's painting a picture of a farmer. A farmer has a harvest. It wasn't a bumper crop. He barely made it this year. He's barely got enough food for his family. But he has a little bit of seed to plant for next year. But he's like, man, I don't want to plant this seed because this is all we got. I need to keep this. But he sows anyway, and he's sowing in tears. Because he knows that if this doesn't grow, he's done, and so is his family. But he's got his trust in the Lord. He's going through it, but he's sowing in tears. He's keeping his focus on God. He's doing what he knows he needs to do, trusting that there's going to be joy when he reaps the harvest from next year's increase. Amen? And sometimes in life, it's like that. That was like that for us for a long time in finances. I mean, we've been through some stuff financially, and we're just sowing, we're sowing, we're sowing, and there were tears. Literal, physical tears. But we just learned to trust God. We learned to believe God and trust that he was faithful. And one day, we just know there's going to be a harvest. We're going to straighten out this financial mess. And then uh, things are going to get better. And we're going to experience increase. So there's seasonal suffering that all of us go through. Let me just encourage you. Be a good sower. Be a faithful sower. When you do that, you can trust that there will be... Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.